Welcome to the Small Hours Podcast. My name's Al Gavada. Thank you very much for joining us on episode number 13. Yeah, 13! You know, I uh, really over, over-modulated with that. And I should have, uh, even though I cleared my throat right before I started recording, uh-huh. it still needed to clear my throat when I did the intro. A little froggy. Yeah, a little froggy. But uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, my name's Al Gavada. And I'm Brother Joe. That's right. Uh, joining us here uh, today. Today actually is uh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving Day 2015. So no tryptophan in our uh, system yet? Not we're yet. Okay. Yeah, no, we're not going to fall asleep mid-sentence. Uh, Joe, Joe. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, we're not going to fall asleep mid-sentence again, and <laughs> at least for the rest <laughs> of the show. Here, sit on this tech. Ow! Oh, there you go. Yeah. Keep you up. All right, so uh, we're the day before Thanksgiving, and uh, a couple of things. We set up the Small Hours Podcast Facebook page today. Yeah. Uh, that way we're going to start posting, you know, uh, movie news, entertainment news, music news. And uh, anytime we do a new episode of the Small Hours Podcast, we're going to put that on there. So if you want to join us, go to facebook.com slash the small hours podcast and like our page. Plus tell your friends and share it and have them like it as well. I can't see what kind of um, activity is going to be going on that page unless I have more than 20 people who like my page. I'm at 13, so I can't see yet. Oh, okay. So, but yeah. not too bad. Yeah, episode not, not 13, bad. I'm already on 13. Very good. Hmm. It was. It's almost like that eleventh show on eleven eleven. <laughs> yeah, there's something going on. Let's go watch that movie that Jim Carrey did about the numbers. What was it twenty three, thirty one, sixty two? Oh, e- you beat me. <laughs> oh, I was going to do the third number. Oh man, Omaha, I'm gonna, Omaha. I'm going to turn this uh, game down a little bit because we are blasting it on that one. There you go. We're doing. Uh, we're recording two ways. Recording on our um, smaller podcast mold studio, and uh, finally use, utilizing our USB Yeti microphone, the Yeti Blue. It's so a, I don't know which one I'm going to use. It looks like a Doctor Who. Uh, um, what do you call those? Prop? No, the, the little... Vibrator? <laughs> a Dalek? Well, Dalek. Oh, thank Dalek. You. Oh, yes, yes. We'll go with Dalek. Because <laughs> that, that's um, a monster there if you... Um, my, a vibrating. My yeah. respect. Thank you. It's the Algevada model. Uh, we are... <laughs> don't forget, you can also find our podcast at thesmallhours.podbean.com. Last episode, um, it was all strictly entertainment news. I didn't do any music. I do have a couple tracks in the wings. I have one from Tyson Dog. I have one from Kirk Brand. I think they're from Norway or something. And uh, I just uh, haven't quite gotten it to where I need to what I need to do with them. So we're going to hold off on music again this week. But eventually, we're going to get back to doing feature track of the week. I actually got in touch with some guys in Tampico, okay. uh, south of uh, the uh, Rio Grande there through the Venom Inc. fan page because they're promoting a show in Tampico for Venom Inc. And they were putting up these uh, posters all over the place. There's like 40 posters. I'm like, uh, hey, compa, uh, you have any left over? <laughs> <You know? laughs> so he sent me a message and we started uh, chatting a little bit. And uh, he mentioned somebody that may be able to send me some music from Tampico. Great. So Great. hopefully I'll be getting some music from uh, south of the border. Very good. Uh, to add on to the uh, the featured tracks of the week. If you are a band that would like to be considered for our featured track of the week, we are looking for hard rock and heavy metal tracks or bands. You can uh, email us, smallhoursemail at gmail.com. That's smallhoursemail at gmail.com. Again, you can visit us on Facebook as well, The Small Hours Podcast. That's our page name. Let's kick off the entertainment news with some music from Box Office Mojo. Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2 was a big opener this past weekend. It was. Really, really big. It opened, however, $20 million below Part 1 with an estimated opening weekend of about $101 million. It becomes the fifth 2015 release to open above the $100 million mark. It's tough to call a film that opens north of $100 million a flop because it's not, right? But disappointing seems appropriate given the lofty heights the previous installment reached. Theories as to what happened are easy to conjure up and... Most likely, they all played some kind of role 
in why this fourth installment in what effectively is a three-film franchise couldn't even match the opening of its predecessor. In its favor, Mockingjay 2 opened an hour earlier on Thursday night on, than Part 1. It had Jennifer Lawrence as its star, and it was the finale of a franchise that has now grossed more than $2.5 billion worldwide. Heading into the weekend, there was something of a palpable question mark, however, concerning how well it would do. So what happened? One theory is a lack of impactful marketing, and I agree with this one. But that theory seems to come in two parts. One having to do with the film's marketing, for example, where was it? And another having to do with what's around it. Part two arrives two weeks after the Bond Blitz with uh, Spectre, and perhaps even more damaging, and this is the part that I really agree with, Star Wars The Force Awakens has pretty much sucked all the air out of the room in terms of blockbuster anticipation. When you compare the buzz and the uh, everything generated with uh, the Star Wars The Force Awakens, we even did a special episode yeah. on the trailer, everything else pales in comparison. Especially when we're talking about something like this finale. We were talking about it last week. When I mentioned it last week, I said, I don't think it's going to reach $120 million. It didn't. Barely crossed uh, $100 million. The feeling I had was because of that, the air had been sucked out of it. The wind had been sucked out of its sails, uh, so to speak. There was going to be an audience, obviously, because it is the finale. And uh, there is a built-in, you know, certain number of people that are going to go see it. Just A, they're fans. B, it's the end of the franchise. And uh, C, there's nothing else to watch. Right. They already, <laughs> they already went to watch a Charlie Brown movie. They already wanted to watch Spectre. Mm-hmm. And now that was up for people that go almost every weekend to the movies or that have been saving up to go watch one one of the movies in particular. Mm-hmm. That was their, their shot now. The hype about uh, Star Wars, though, man. I remember watching that first little trailer and actually mm-hmm. getting goosebumps yeah. going. Whoa. It's happening. Yeah, and I, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not even like a huge fan. Right. I'm a casual. I mean, I enjoy them. I, I, I take each one at face value and, and enjoy each one separately. I don't follow the whole string and say, hey, episode one, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You know, like some people do. Sure. Or that's not true to the form or the character. I just enjoy each one. Mm-hmm. But even that, even at that, I was like, whoa. Yeah, it, it rekindled that ember that was inside you, right? Yeah. So whatever fandom you had, it rekindled it. It's like, whoa, poured some gasoline on it, yeah. pretty much. Additionally, the fact that Mockingjay Part 1 wasn't as re- well-received as Catching Fire seems to have played a part. And speaking of parts, perhaps, and this is another point I agree with, perhaps audience fatigue over the unnecessary drawing out of these franchises is starting to show. Bad news for Divergent, which they're also going to do the same thing. Part 2 did manage an estimated $247 million worldwide this weekend. That's 27.8 behind Part 1's 273.8, which doesn't seem like much, but there are a few caveats to consider. Part 1 didn't open in China until three months after its domestic release. Part 2 brought in $16.4 million from China this weekend. And of all the top countries, Part 2 opened uh, in this weekend. They all showed declining numbers. All that said, this is still a massive franchise. Part 2 is still a big hit. Collectively, the reported budget for Parts 1 and 2 is somewhere around 285 to $300 million, wow. depending on who you source. Now, consider the two Mockingjay films have grossed over $1 billion worldwide on their own, and Part 2 is only in its first weekend. Flop? Probably not. <laughs> but we'd be lying to ourselves if we thought Lionsgate wasn't hoping for more. Part 1 finished at about $337 million domestically, well, it looks like part two may finish around two fifty, two seventy-five. Yeah, it's just a, a expectations game. Mm-hmm. Like you say, it's not a flop because obviously, I wish I could get that type of uh, return on any investment. Right, but invest with Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. And I'm a Democrat. Yeah, I know. I, I'm like what? <laughs> but uh, 
you know, it, to get a return like that on any investment is great. Mm-hmm. It's just the expectations. It's like a, kind of like jobs numbers. Right. Oh, we only gained, you know. 8%. Yeah, what? 8%. That's so that's a, that's 20 bad. million jobs yeah. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but we were expecting 10. My math is off. Mm. No, it's it's kind of like at a, at a business where like uh, you have a great year. It's like, well, you did uh, an increase of 20%. Next year, we want 30. It's like, wait, we had an exceptional year. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're hoping we can hit 20% yeah. if we're lucky, you know, and, and that's the game everywhere. Yeah, and if you don't, it's like, oh, you had an off year. You don't get a bonus. What? We still went up 20%. No, but you were shooting for 30. Yeah. Oh, man. You were shooting for 30. It sucks. <laughs> you got your bonus. All bitter. I'm going to kick this pebble. <laughs> This weekend wasn't all Hunger Games, though. Two other new wide releases hit theaters. Neither made much of a dent. Starring Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Anthony Mackie, the R-rated holiday theme the night before, did manage an estimated $10 million. That was enough for a fourth place finish. And just behind it, in fifth, was the Secret in Their Eyes remix. That's uh, Shiwetel Ejiofor. I'm sorry, I butchered your name, I'm sure. Nicole Kidman. Is that uh, also, did I pronounce that right? <laughs> and Julia Roberts. I'm I'm off my game this this episode. You're thinking of turkey, huh? <laughs> <You're> <laughs> yeah, thinking- <laughs> I smell something. Are they cooking already? No, I'm dead. It's uh, Nicole Kidman and uh, Julia Roberts, of course. Secret in their eyes brought in an estimated six point six million dollars, twenty seven hundred and seventy three dollar per theater average. Hardly impressive, regardless of quality, though the reviews aren't exactly glowing. I'm not sure who thought releasing an adult targeted drama in a field that includes. Hunger Games, Spectre, Bridge of Spies, and The Martian was a good idea. Speaking of Spectre, by the way, the latest Bond film has shown some serious signs of slowing over the past few days, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. The third week was going to be the big tell when uh, Hunger Games came out. Last weekend, it was $20 million ahead of where Quantum of Solace was at the same point. But this weekend, it dipped 56.7%. The release of Hunger Games this weekend didn't help. And the release of Creed, which is great, by the way, apparently to all reviews that I've seen, it's not going to help any uh, Spectre at all. A bit farther down the list, we find Legend, the other movie we talked about last week, which features Tom Hardy playing twin gangsters Reggie and Ronald Cray. Universal is going to add 35 more theaters next weekend after going before going wide on December the 13th. Opening up this weekend, I'm a little surprised by this one uh, and the reviews that this one's been getting. The Good Dinosaur, the new Pixar uh-huh. film. The score so far, the Metascore, is at 70% out of 100 oh, for a Pixar film. Doesn't seem great. I saw a list of the, the uh, definitive list, quote-unquote, of all Pixar films, this one came in pretty much dead last. Wow. Or somewhere around there. The description, an epic journey into the world of dinosaurs where an apatosaurus named Arlo makes an unlikely human friend starring the voices of Jeffrey Wright, whom I met in Washington, D.C. Oh, cool. And I have a picture uh, with, and who was in Casino Royale and Quantum Sauce. Uh, Francis McDormand, and uh, the buzz is, says, uh, I saw the first trailer for The Good Dinosaur at Disney's D23 Expo 2015 and tried and failed to hold back tears. Since then, I've watched it nearly 20 times. I'm guessing the trailer. And each time I get completely lost in uh, Patosaurus's Arlo's world. So what it has as its positive, uh, The Good Dinosaur, the quality of the animation, it's phenomenal. I mean, even in the trailer, it looks photorealistic. It's yeah. beautiful. I mean, obviously, aside from the, they're supposed to look like cartoonish, you know. But the actual, like the water and all, it just looks fantastic. It's amazing the leaps and bounds they've taken in that uh, I remember just uh, in, in Monsters, Inc., when you could see Sully's hair move yeah. and stuff like that. That was amazing. And now from there to this point, it's even more. Mm-hmm. It's it's amazing what they're what they're able to do. What you To really see the jump in quality, watch something like The Good Dinosaur, especially by Pixar, right? And then go back and watch the original Toy Story. Yeah. 
And you're like, whoa. And even then, it was a great film. The quality was great. I remember watching it going, yes, this is what I've been looking forward to. I remember it clearly. And now it's just such such a huge leap in quality and relatively short time. I remember commenting the little scratches on the door. Yeah. The, all the little details that they were able to weave into that movie. And now it was great. And even more. <laughs> yeah. The the fur that you're talking about on Monsters, Inc. that, that really struck me was... When he's doing this sled scene, when they're banished to the uh, the uh, snow with the abominable snowman, and he makes his sled and he takes off, Sully, then he crashes and he's lying there in the snow. Watch that scene and look at the fur. It, it literally looks real. I was watching it going, whoa. It took me out of the animation into the this is real uh, area of my, of my brain. So check that one out. The other big movie opening up this weekend is Creed, coming in also at about 133 minutes, PG-13. It's scoring way better than uh, Good Dinosaur, 83 out of 100. Wow. The former world heavyweight champion Rocky Balboa serves as trainer and mentor to Adonis Johnson, the son of his late friend and former rival Apollo Creed. It stars Michael B. Jordan and Sylvester Stallone. Uh, Michael B. Jordan reuniting with his Fruitvale Station writer-director Ryan Coogler on a project that... Coogler successfully pitched to Sylvester Stallone and now has Stallone positioned for a Best Supporting Actor Oscar nomination before it has even been released. Creed has surpassed Southpaw as the boxing event of the year. Haven't seen Southpaw, heard really great things about it. It was very good. I saw it. Yeah, it's... um... And I am a Southpaw. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. Um, that guy's range is crazy. Mm-hmm. What he's able to do, Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jake is. You know, I've seen him in different movies. Yeah. First name basis. <laughs> so I was watching Jake. <laughs> I've, I've been watching in Jarhead. Uh, uh, yeah, Everest. I've been watching the the different the different the range that he has. Have you seen Nightcrawler? Nightcrawler was oh, crazy. Man. Such a great film. <laughs> and this one, the the uh, talk about Nightcrawler. Just physically, mm-hmm. how the the transformation. And uh, it, it's it's a re- it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Again, I take every movie, boom, I'm in it, and, uh, yeah. and that's mm-hmm. it. I have no preconceived uh, ideas of what it should be, mm-hmm. and I just enjoy it as it goes. So, so you didn't think of movie. it as like, oh, this is a guy from uh, Nightcrawler? No, or Brokeback Mountain. Exactly. Or... <laughs> I was going to bring that up. You know, because he's done so many different things and, and done great work in so many different things. He, he really is one of the better actors out right now. Yeah. I mean, he's really good. Jake Gyllenhaal in Nightcrawler, if you haven't seen it, he's pretty much a, I guess, a sociopath, mm-hmm. right? Would be Maybe even borderline psychopath. Yeah. The best part about that movie was when we were watching, watching it, and my wife goes, he reminds me of you. <laughs> I was like, as an actor? Or <laughs> the range I have? Or, or, or as a sociopath? <laughs> I'm not sure. So I didn't know how to take that one. Opening up this weekend also with uh, coming in at P- PG-13, 109 minutes. Young Frankenstein with Mel Brooks, uh, Mar- Marty Feldman, the I one with the Toyman, yeah. <laughs> Madeline Kahn, Madeline Kahn. Uh, yeah. Terry Gar, Terry Gar. Uh, Gene oh Wild. Wait, no, it's, That's not uh, it's Victor Frankenstein. <laughs> you know, But how- they do make a little aside. Do they? Yeah. I hope so because this was... Um, I'm not really looking forward to this one. It's it has a 34 out of 100 rating. Wow. Yeah, um, not not compared to an 83 for Creed. Yeah. It's pretty drastic. Yeah, they the what I saw in the in the uh, trailer? trailer it says um is it Frankenstein <laughs> or 
Oh, Frankenstein. <laughs> That's funny. Frankenstein. Told from Igor's perspective, it's Igor. <laughs> we see the troubled young assistant's dark origins, his redemptive friendship with a young medical student, Victor von Frankenstein, and become eyewitnesses to the emergence of how Frankenstein became the man-slash-legend we know today. Starring Daniel Radcliffe with that long uh, L'Oreal, L'Oreal kind of <laughs> hair, Vidal Sassoon hair, and James McAvoy, a.k.a. Harry Potter and Professor X. Movie studios will keep trying to resurrect a successful Frankenstein story. Meanwhile, we can't even get a Hulk standalone movie made. What about Hulk versus <laughs> Frankenstein then? We <laughs> Sure, we love Daniel Radcliffe and James McAvoy. Normally, we'd be over the moon at the thought of seeing them co-star in a movie. There are just too many flashing red lights here. You know, mm-hmm. looking at it going, mm, maybe it'll be a guilty pleasure. Maybe. You know, it, it really looks, uh, just watching the trailer, like they're hamming it up. Sometimes that's a good thing. Yeah. Maybe it'll be so bad you enjoy it. Right. So, red box, come on, hurry up. <clears throat> All right, so right before we um, started recording this episode of Small Hours, I, I had you watch the Captain America Civil War trailer that just came out last night. Yes. It was debuted on Jimmy Kimmel. And uh, first off, what are your, your initial thoughts just after having seen the trailer? I like it. Looks like it's going to be very good. I like the the split between the Avenger group, um, the guy protecting his his buddy, and um, just that it has a little darkness to it. Even even the uh, I saw I noticed in the um, uh, outfit, the mm-hmm. uniform or outfit that the Captain Mecca wears, it looks a little tarnished. Even like they do that for effect. Right. Um, they muted it. He's yeah. He's not that bright, shining Captain Red, America. Red, blue. Yeah. It's a little tarnished, and and those little visual cues that say, hmm, something. He's he's not that guy that everybody's rooting for this time. Maybe. Right. And an interesting thing I learned recently was that after Ant Man, after the credits, which I didn't stay for, unfortunately, we saw the first, like after the movie scene that came out, uh, where they showed the yellow jacket prototype. Mm-hmm. But there was another scene where Anthony Mackie, who uh, made an appearance in Ant-Man, spoiler alert, uh, comes out with uh, Chris Evans' Captain America, where they find Bucky. After Ant-Man. I was like, what? We didn't stay for that? There were still Whoppers on the floor I could have been eating. <laughs> so what I looked up was on Cinema Blend, seven huge reveals from Marvel's first Captain America Civil War trailer. Kind of like we broke down the Star Wars trailer. Mm-hmm. We're going to do that with the Captain America Civil War trailer. First one that dropped. On Jimmy Kimmel Tuesday, the first full trailer for the movie dropped, setting Marvel fans into a furious frenzy of Phase 3 analysis and speculation. If you haven't watched the trailer yet, you're in for a treat. As soon as we hit the end battle in the final frames of this glorious Civil War trailer, we knew we needed to start pulling out all the juicy developments that co-directors Anthony and Joe Russo, if I'm not mistaken, the guys who did Winter Soldier, which is a phenomenal movie I, I really like. Winter Soldier is just great. They decided to re- reveal so much in this tw- two-minute and 30-second blitz. Without further ado, here are the moments that grabbed us by the Star Spangled Caller. So I'm going to read what they have, and we'll back and forth on our thoughts as okay. well. Okay. First one, Bucky remembers Cap. Finally, the man who was the Winter Soldier is back to being the childhood bestie of Steve Rogers. The only problem is the actions of Winter Soldier mean Bucky is a fugitive. This scene, like I mentioned, played out in the end credits of Ant-Man, and now we know that Cap and Falcon finally have tracked down Bucky and they are standing by this man, even though he's guilty of more than a few crimes. So that's the first thing that was revealed. He remembers him. He even names his, his mom, his mom's name, and that uh, 
He remembers that Cap used to have to stuff newspaper in his shoes. He's like, that's kind of an easy guess, kind of like mall psychics do. Because yeah. uh, back then, a lot of us had to do that. <laughs> you know, we had holes in our shoes and all that. The second uh, reveal, General Thunderbolt Ross is back, connecting Cap to the Incredible Hulk. We haven't seen General Ross, played by William Hurt this time around, or again, since he feverishly tracked Bruce Banner, played at that time by Edward Norton, in The Incredible Hulk. At the tail end of that film, Ross met with Tony Stark, cementing the one-off Hulk film as canon and promising that the military leader could and would be brought back into the fold at some point while he's back. And his dialogue hints that he's mad at Captain America. The quote is, You've operated with unlimited power and no supervision. That's something the world can no longer tolerate. It's kind of hypocritical sounding, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> they, they, they first they let him loose to... Mm-hmm. Help, and now, whoa, we got to rein you in. But it's also a guy speaking from someone who pretty much runs with unlimited, unlimited power, power and unsupervised and no supervision. You know, it's like, well, we did it for national security. or what, And that's it. Case closed. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's very uh, realistic, by the way. Right, exactly. It's very much in our times. The reason that General Thunderbolt is mad, well, the Sokovia Accords. Here's the Marvel Cinematic Universe's uh, version of the Superhero Registration Act. That's what was in the comics. The government interference that Captain America will disagree with and Stark likely will support. And as the uh, trailer shows you, that's what it looks like. Apparently, the destruction in Age of Ultron unnerved the nations of the world and their collective governments are passing the above accords to keep superheroes in line. It was Tony Stark's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Seeing as how Captain America is a byproduct of World War II, however, I'm guessing morally he'll have real problems with all of this. It has shades of, you know, events in the past. It's going to lead to what we see in the next few frames, which is Captain America's team revealed. You, You dropped a little bit on that. We spent some time trying to figure out which Avengers would fight on whose side during the Civil War. When we last saw Cap at the end of Ultron, he had put together his team that included War Machine, Vision, Scarlet Witch, Falcon, and Black Widow. Now, some of those members jumped over to Team Iron Man. Uh, We saw, obviously, War Machine by his side and a couple others. From what we see in the trailer, Cap is going to be backed by Scarlet Witch, Hawkeye showed up, the Winter Soldier, of course, and Falcon. The next person, however, is a wild card. This is one that I was excited about. As soon as it showed up, I was like, whoa, Black Panther! And they just barely showed him. You said, yeah, I noticed you said that. Whoa, a glimpse of Black Panther there. Yeah, they just showed, like, did a hero shot with him. They showed a couple of scenes where he's uh, running around. Uh, the Captain America Civil War trailer gives us our first real look at Chadwick Boseman's Black Panther. He looks amazing. There are multiple action shots of the Panther both fighting and running away from pursuers. Boseman's eventually going to get his own movie in the MCU, but he'll make his big screen debut in May. What did you think about the costume? You got a, just a little glimpse at it. I'm looking forward to more. Looks sharp. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. It, looks really, it, it isn't overdone. Uh, it isn't, um, I guess, cartoony or whatever. There's one thing we didn't see, and we'll, we'll mention that after our next two reveals. War Machine being down. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to maintain some of its tension, Civil War, which is also in two parts, may need to produce produce casualties. If all of these heroes keep surviving from movie to movie, there's no drama. Kind of like when Quicksilver got taken out in Age of Ultron, although that was a little kind of an aside. It just, uh, it's just going through the motions. If you look at Tony Stark throughout this trailer, he looks bruised, battered, But in this particular scene, he looks stunned. Perhaps it's because his best friend is laid out on the ground. War Machine is down. Is he out? Can't wait to find out. So what's going to happen? John Cheadle, is he he the main casualty in Civil War? Who knows? Yeah, he was looking pretty grim there. It was kind of like a little far shot. shot, Yeah, yeah. but it it might be. Or they might hold that over to see if 
if he actually Pizarro, like you think it'll be the end of part one and then we'll see if pretty he comes close, back yeah I, I think we'll, we'll take guesses right now i think he dies in part one and that just sets up the 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 catalyst for part for two part two and where it's going to get bigger especially what they mentioned here the, the one of those things that they can't keep surviving mm-hmm. and and keep your attention and it'll be more impactful in quicksilver because quicksilver was just kind of they didn't really we didn't have much invested in the character it was, it was just came out we saw a better i thought quicksilver and x-men than in than in this one and this one it it didn't really connect and so when he died it was like what Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, Scarlet Witch is mad now. But first off, the guy is Quicksilver. If the helicopter's shooting, mm, run. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and he, and he didn't. He just stood there. Right. I mean, he's just dumb. Last but not least, the seventh reveal: a friendship broken. So was I. That was the line that was spoken by Tony when Steve says Bucky's his friend. He uh, broke our hearts. I mean, when you and, and of course he delivered it in classic Robert Downey Jr. style. I mean, he is Iron Man basically. The Civil War has de- was destined to put Iron Man and Cap on opposite sides of a moral divide. But seeing them go at it, that's something else entirely. Can this team be repaired in time to bring Thanos down in the eventual Infinity War two-parter? Probably, but you know why ruin it now? Got to take each movie <laughs> as it is. Yes. Standalone. We don't know what the future is. Take it as it is right now. And the end of the trailer, we see Bucky and Captain America beating on Iron Man. It was, oh my <laughs> gosh. And it looked really good. Yeah, um, they're going to town. So uh, what was your favorite moment in the Captain America Civil War trailer? Uh, I, I look forward, I'm looking forward to the whole thing. I, I like that that divide that they're putting in there before maybe having to rejoin. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I like the whole thing. I like the whole trailer. I like those little tidbits that they drop in there. I, I want to go back and watch it again mm-hmm. because there's a, a, some of those details that I didn't catch. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to go back and watch it. And, and it looks it looks really well done. The one thing we didn't see was Spider-Man, who is going to be making his first appearance in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in this story. I don't know if it's in part one or part two. I'm fairly certain it's in part one, but nothing yet. I'm right. guessing when they do finally reveal them. And I hope it'd be nice if they don't show them at all in the trailers. In any trailer. Because there's no need. Right. It's a Captain America movie. So uh, when he comes out, it'll be like, whoa! I mean, you're expecting him. You know he's going to come out. But when you actually see him, now in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, outside of the you know Sony property... It's it, it would be such a great surprise. Yeah. So note to uh, directors and trailer makers. <laughs> this is an order from the Small Hours uh, podcast. Do not put Spider-Man in the trailers. There you go. It's not too much to ask for, right? No, no. It, it, it hold something back. That would be a great reserve. Yeah. Like like when uh, on Ant-Man, I, when Falcon came out, it was like, what the hell? What, are they? Uh, I, what I liked about Ant-Man was um, Paul Rudd's humor. It's like, all right, this is what's going on. Is, uh, all right, the first thing we should do, contact the Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> so that was great. You know, uh, anyway, so that's uh, the Civil War, Captain America Civil War trailer. The first one, part one, looks great. I have high expectations for it, and I don't think I'm going to be disappointed. No, I, I don't think so either. I think, I think it'll be good to go out and watch. It'll probably be one of those, uh, you know, mega blockbusters coming mm-hmm. out. Uh, there's so many guys so many characters in there that somebody's bound to like one of them mm-hmm. you know and 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 get you out there maybe to even watch it at the at the theater at the theater yeah first <laughs> run um and this one yeah i, I for sure would and, and applause to uh marvel studios for doing just a great job yeah. planning these whole phases out it's been working out beautifully 
I mean, even a minor character like Ant-Man was a success. Yeah, and, and putting those little after, you know, it's it's funny to see people staying after the, mm-hmm. the credits now to see, okay, what's coming? What's coming? And and you see the guys that are sweeping up going, you can leave, there's nothing after, or yeah. or mm, just stick around. Yeah. <laughs> the, the Of course, the funniest one was uh, after the original Rangers, Avengers were just sitting there eating yeah. shawarma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just eating. Like really, that's the end credit scene. I stayed, <laughs> I stayed for this. Get <laughs> it gone. Anyway, but that was that was funny. Also from Cinema Blend, uh, another movie that you're probably not looking forward to seeing. You're probably not going to see. Fantastic Four Two is likely done. It's yeah. It was pretty much ine- inevitable, right? After Fantastic Four or Fan Four Stick Four, it had the four instead of the A. Uh, struggled to find its audience over the summer. Fox would have had to move mountains to keep the previously announced sequel on track for its 2017 release date. Or, as some had speculated, they could cut bait and look for a plan B that didn't involve Marvel's first family. From the looks of things, that's probably what's going to happen. As was first reported by Box Office Mojo, 20th Century Fox has removed Fantastic Four 2 off of its release calendar. It was supposed to land in theaters on June 19th. Oh, man, it was going to be a birthday present. Man. On uh, 2017. However, now the future of the superhero franchise is in question, though the studio isn't without options. It ran into several problems, both during production and in post-production, and in the run-up to release. Some of it has been covered in the press, as Fantastic Four director shined a light on the fact that the final cut for the superhero movie was taken out of his hands. In fact, uh, parts were found of the movie that uh, were never made it to the big screen, from a fantastic car to much longer action scenes involving The Thing and Doctor Doom. Something happened beside, behind the scenes of Fantastic Four and it likely cut the reboot origin story off at the knees. That doesn't mean that Fantastic Four 2 couldn't happen, though. The cast is in place, with four outstanding actors signed up to play the superhero team for at least one more movie. You'd need a director change, obviously, but there's enough to build on in Fantastic Four, and a sequel set in the world that he created wouldn't be such a bad thing. The moment, however, the sequel seems to be on ice. What does that mean? Well, Fox has options. They could put Deadpool Part 2 on the fast track and try to program the second movie with Ryan Reynolds into that window, or the X-Men franchise can be used to resuscitate the Fantastic Four franchise. Now, a team-up of Fox's mightiest properties could save the one series that has struggled. Then again, it could blow up in their face, potentially staining the now-successful X-Men films. The one thing we can all agree on is that restarting the Fantastic Four would be a terrible idea. Much like Spider-Man, do we really need a third iteration of the familiar characters on screen again? Something about these characters is very hard to crack on screen. Instead of rushing into a second movie with this new cast, it seems that Fox is heading back to the drawing board to figure out what, if anything, can be done to revive this series. With a name like Fantastic Four, make it all gay. <laughs> I mean, come on. You have a guy, Mr. Fantastic. I mean, can it do any worse than, <laughs> than these two? I'm just throwing things at the wall to yeah, see what just sticks. See what sticks. Because sure. those just slid right off. <laughs> It can't hurt. The other ones, and there's a there's a big you know there's a big trend right now of a, a lot of uh, gay characters coming out. Interesting enough, I've seen a lot more commercials with uh, with gay couples. You're seeing mainly, interestingly enough, part two male gay couples. Have you seen a couple? Yeah, and I, I was mentioning that to a friend uh, just yesterday. You notice how they slid that? It was a soup commercial, right? And it's, at the very end, I'm just, your father. I'm your father. Oh, that one. Yeah, no, I'm your father. Yeah, and I'm like, you see how they just seamlessly put that in there? It's two men saying, I'm your father, the same baby. And boom, that's a gay couple promoting. But me. they didn't like, we're gay. Yeah, no, exactly. it isn't. It's just, you know, the two 
you know, same-sex fathers. Right. On right. the other commercial that I saw, there uh, it's a Thanksgiving meal, and then you just see the two guys stand up, and they hug each other, and they're addressing the family together. Mm-hmm. But it's very subtle. I mean, they're just putting it out there, and it's the, I guess, media's uh, attempt to, I guess, take the stigma off of same-sex couples and, and not... I don't know. It, it doesn't feel to me like it's overt or it's like some sort of huge, you know, agenda that's going to lead us all into hell. It just seems like, look, it's not that big of a deal, right? That's, that's kind of that, like it that's the way I saw that that soup commercial. It was just very subtle, very natural, very not not preachy, not hey, look, you have to accept this or else, right? You know, and it wasn't the flamboyant, you know, extremes that people cringe from. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a, a couple of parents. Feeding their kids. Yeah, and, it, and if you notice, you'll you'll see more of it if yeah, you sure. if you're aware of it. Couple stories from television. Netflix's new Marvel series. I don't know if you saw. Do you have Netflix? Yes. Okay. Have you seen Jessica Jones? I saw the trailer and I've got it queued up. <sighs> I saw the first episode. Very good. Uh, it sent social media into a tizzy over Kristen Ritter's portrayal of newest superhero from Hell's Kitchen. Jessica Jones follows Ritter's character after a tragic ending to her short-lived superhero stint. As she rebuilds her personal life and career as a detective who gets pulled into cases in New York City. It's the second series after Daredevil in a planned Netflix Marvel Universe, which will be followed by Luke Cage, who's also introduced on the show as played by Mike Coulter. That guy's buff, man. That guy's like, yep, I want to see him as Luke Cage. I I think he's going to do a good job. And he seems like a good actor as well. So I just saw the first episode. Reason being, I don't know if my wife wants to watch it. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, better wait. <laughs> but I can't wait, like, completely. You know? <laughs> so I, I it was like, taste a little, just taste a little. It's frosting. So yeah. that was me. I saw the first episode. Uh, the good thing is, it looks like she has no interest in watching it. So now I think I can watch all the episodes. Awesome. awesome. Yeah, and from what I understand, it's it's very good. David Tennant comes out as a, as a villain, the uh, Doctor Who number 10. Very good. So And, of course, he's a good actor as well. From That was from TheRap.com. From Variety, speaking of Netflix, Lost in Space could be making its way back to the screen as sources tell Variety that Netflix is developing a reboot of the 1965 CBS classic with plans for a straight-to-series order. Though Netflix declined to comment, the new potential series hails from writers uh, Matt Sazama and Burke Sharpless, who will exec produce with Kevin Burns and a couple other people. First reported by Deadline, the Netflix project is not the first go at a Lost in Space television remake as the WB produced a pilot in 2003, which was never picked up to series. So there you go. A couple stories from uh, television news. That, uh, that's pretty much all I got to, together there. I didn't get any music news this time around for some reason. Hmm. Yeah, I was busy, you know. Busy uh, tasting the frosting. And, uh, you know, setting up the Small Hours Podcast page on Facebook. <laughs> you can check out at uh, facebook.com slash the Small Hours Podcast. Very cool. What are the plans for uh, Thanksgiving tomorrow? Thanksgiving, uh, instead of going out to uh, our usual, going out to Bethany House mm-hmm. and serving over there the, the multitude of people that go out there for a, uh, for a Thanksgiving lunch, we actually invited a family over to our house. Excellent. Which time so, are you going to have lunch? <laughs> you're welcome to come in at noon. Excellent. All right, just checking. Just saying, I don't no, I, I don't know that we'll be ready at noon. But, uh, <laughs> come help at noon. Yeah, you can start chopping stuff. No, we usually get up early. <laughs> I, I chop everything, get, get the uh, dressing ready or stuffing. And uh, the birds in the oven early. And, you know, we'll, we'll get the pies going and so forth. That's what I'm going to do after we finish so, recording. Do the pies? Pies. Pie. I, I, we cook everything on the same day. Oh, okay. No, I do the pies the day before and... I cook four, and there's three usually. <laughs> for the morning. You have to sample one, just to yeah. make sure. Well, quality control. 
the uh, carb overload going on right now is uh, is a little intense because of the whole uh, Patty Labelle sweet potato pie. I saw that. I saw that. Um, I'm going. I am hoping to sample. If you still have the, I original have it one. unopened. Oh, okay. No, I will wait. And your mouth is watering. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's so, not the pie. Oh, okay. <laughs> you look at that, that poster on the wall. Uh, the uh, we this video came out of this guy sampling the pie. It's, it's hilarious. It. I mean, the video is hilarious. It went viral, and uh, it it piques your interest as to why this guy is reacting so great to it. Right? He, he starts singing like Patti LaBelle. Great voice, by <laughs> he the does, way. He does. He does. And uh, that like thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I said, "Well, I got to try this pie." So I go to to Walmart and I get one. There's only two left. I go back and they're gone. Friends that saw me post go and they're gone. So I went by a couple of days ago and there was a sign saying, we have no pies. The warehouse is out of pies. And I literally struck up a conversation with another couple that was also there looking for the, the pie. <laughs> now, there's two things about it. One, yeah, the Patty LaBelle sweet potato pie is very good. It's a very good pie. It's a small, I guess it's about an eight inch pie. It's only 350 not bad. Comparatively not bad to other pies that uh, that I've seen, you know. So uh, yesterday we were out and about in South Laredo, and we looked all around and nothing. And I'm like, man. So then we walked towards the counter. I'm like, well, let me see if they have this the sign up, you know, where they're they're saying they're out of pies, and there's a pie on the counter. I'm like, what? So I grab it right and I'm like, thank you very much. So we start walking towards the entrance that we passed by uh, going in, and I tell my son, watch there be a bunch of pies up from here. If I found this one. Watch her be, oh, look, there's some, there's 12 pies here. <laughs> so there's a bunch of pies there. So, okay. So I grabbed two and I, said, and I posted a picture saying, look, for those of you looking for the pie that you can't find at the other Walmarts, here it is. There's, so hopefully people went out to check it out. Very cool. And I, I got two pies because I was going to give one to my compadre and comadre, Cash and Tracy, and I dropped it off yesterday. They were oh, good. very appreciative. So she was like, oh, my God, you got me a pie. Because <laughs> so, she, she's awesome. She's given us uh, treats before and, and whatnot. So you got to, you know, compadres, you got to share the love. Reciprocate, yes. Absolutely. So that was the carb overload. Now, today, I'm going to be making my own sweet potato pies, which are different than Patty LaBelle's. And if that would make uh, that gentleman sing like Patty LaBelle, my pies would make him sing like, um, who? I don't know, but uh, he may be too busy eating. Yeah, thing. yeah, because mine are mine are bigger. They're bigger pies. They got pineapple in them. They got pecans in them. They got marsh uh, marshmallows on top. It's a it's a truly a delectable delight. Yeah, he'd be he'd be like a like a puppy eating peanut butter. It, it would yep. be singing the oh my home because it would be too much <laughs> sweet potato in his mouth. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, I did find a story, a music story, while we were chatting about the pie. Uh, and I don't know if you heard about this one about Kurt Cobain's home recordings. No. This is off of the Entertainment Weekly uh, with the Star Wars info on it. There's something unsettling about any artist's posthumous work, but it's particularly macabre in the case of Kurt Cobain, whose relationship to Nirvana's music was complicated. The grunge icon often dismissed Nirvana's 1991 breakthrough Nevermind as too slick, and he was unhappy with Steve Albini's initial mixes for the 1993 studio album In Utero. So you have to assume that Cobain would not want you listening to a montage of Heck, the home recordings the companion soundtrack to the exquisite doc released earlier this year. Curated by the director Brett Morgan, the compilation has hours worth of Cobain's cassette demos saved by his widow Courtney Love and used to tell much of Cobain's story in his own words. The content is exceptionally raw. Most songs are snippets or free-form instrumental noodles. Vocals are rough and mumbly. The few tracks that could be counted as actual songs are primarily early solo demos of Nirvana tunes, like Been a Son, 
Other tracks aren't even music, but rather sound tests like a reverb experiment and crazy-eyed comedy skits. What's most compelling about the set is how it captures Cobain's passion and intensity, not his slacker junkie persona. You can hear the restlessness in half-formed but hypnotic musings like Burn the Rain and Poison's Gone. Nirvana's music tempered noisy metal sludge with crisp burlesque melodicism, and both extremes live in these recordings, including the plodding headbanger Rehash. It's hard to grade Montage of Heck, considering sound quality and execution of ideas, it's in the lower C range, but as a cultural artifact that provides an inside look at the creative process of an enigmatic genius, it's absolutely indispensable, and they give it an A rating. Well, but I mean, the guy was one of those mercurial beings. Yeah, he the guy, no doubt, was a genius. He was tortured. Yeah. Um, one of those uh, tortured souls who just, I don't know if it's because they can't get everything out. That's what I was thinking. Uh, yeah. It's... Wow, it's like the there's so much in there that it's, everything's fighting to get out at the same time that it's really, really sad. Uh, I saw that uh, montage of heck, and uh, it, it's you know, it's sad, it's mm-hmm. sad overall just to see the potential that was there and to see what was accomplished and what could have been accomplished. It's just you know, one of those that really gets, yeah, we got to see some diamonds right out of the rough. They came yeah. out, they bubbled up, you're like, wow, and uh, just so much so that. Uh, musical landscape was changed completely. Uh, you know, I mean, and it was such a a bright. It was like a magne like magnesium burning, just like mm-hmm. wham, a huge flash. And then to lose him at such a young age, it's uh, to me, it was um, it actually made me angry. You know, to lose somebody like that, and it's weird because there's a, a kind of a bittersweet afternote to Kurt Cobain's death with the. Uh, the rise of uh, Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters. Right. You know, because had Nirvana continued, maybe we'd have, would have never seen the Foo Fighters. And they've put out some really great quality music. And the guy himself, like we mentioned before in the previous episode, it's like, that's me. That's me. Had I been, you know, talented and uh, <laughs> a rock star successful, you know? Yeah, that's the guy every everyone would love to be if he was a rock star. Mm-hmm. You know, the actually... It, up there enjoying it, enjoying the fans, being cool with the fans, going out of his way to do everything with the fans. That's like, I would be that guy. And you're right. Uh, we may have never seen that because they were all in the shadow of, of Cobain. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe trying to trying to live in that manic world that he created. I'm, it has to be a vortex, man, when, yep. you're, when you're around something like that, that just, you know, sucks you in and you're just trying to contribute and, and you know, be a part of it uh, hopefully and make it, it better. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Hopefully make it better and maybe even try to control it a little bit to hope it doesn't burn out. You know, you you see it burning so fast that you say, hey, slow down, let's take advantage of this. Let's make, let's, let's make this last. And then um, maybe knowing deep inside that it, it never will, mm-hmm. but uh, writing it. It's more like hanging on. on. Yeah. <laughs> like just hold on because you don't know when it, either it's going to go off the rails or it's just going to stop. Yeah. You know, and, and this one, unfortunately, just stopped. Holding on to the, the mane of a horse and just grabbing on for dear life. Yeah. You know. Speaking of the Foo Fighters, just recently, uh, a couple of days ago, this story came out. And I don't know if you heard it. The mysterious countdown clock on the Foo Fighters official website finally ticked down to all zeros on Sunday night. And it was revealed that Dave Grohl's surprise for fans was a new EP titled St. Cecilia. The five-track collection recorded at Austin, Texas's St. Cecilia Hotel during the Austin City Limits Festival's two weekends 
was offered up as a free download. The group has also offered up a pre-order of the St. Cecilia vinyl at their official site. In addition to the new EP, Grohl also penned a long letter to fans that tracked the Sonic Highway's journey, detailed his gruesome leg injury, and paid tribute to those killed in the recent Paris terror attacks. The EP was meant to be an end-of-the-tour thank-you gift to fans, but the final leg of the Sonic Highway's jaunt was cut short by the November 13th attack on Paris. Foo Fighters also posted a link for fans to donate to victims of the attack. Let me begin with a preface to a letter I wrote a few weeks ago for my hotel room in Berlin while on our final tour for this album. I felt the need to ride this forward in light of the heartbreaking tragedies of November 13th, as this project has now taken on an entirely different tone, as has everything, it seems, Grohl wrote. The St. Cecilia EP was put into motion back in October this year as a celebration of life and music. The concept being that, as our world tour drew to a close this week, we wanted to share our love of both with you in return for everything you have given us. During the Foo Fighters ACL headlining set, he announced that the band had recorded new music in Austin, and the letter goes into depth about the project and how the band turned the St. Cecilia Hotel into their own personal recording studio. Returning to the city where the entire Sonic Highways concept was born, loading in one last time into a room that was... Never designed to be a recording studio, a la Sonic Highways, and making some music, fate, destiny, he wrote. Throughout the letter, Grohl also hinted that the Foo Fighters might be going on a well-deserved break and possibly a long hiatus. It was heartbreaking to leave that place, to say the least. I honestly feel like we left a piece of our band there as we were being torn away from it. The perfect unity of life and love and music is something that only comes around so often and in certain circumstances. When you feel it coming on, you have to take hold of it. That place and those people made it possible for our band to take one final breath before the curtain closes. Thankfully, we have evidence of this in these songs and we're giving to you that we're giving to you today. He added, maybe these songs are the breadcrumbs that will help us find our way back when it's time. We could use a nice wander through the woods right about now. Another empty journal, another tap on the shoulder. Those things are never far behind. It's what lies ahead in these those woods that excites me now. So tonight, as I sit in my Berlin hotel room on our final tour for this album, counting down the days until we return home, I can't help but wonder when we will see each other again. Who knows? But with everything Foo Fighter related, it will only be when it feels right. And that's a feeling that's easy to feel. So you can check it out. You can find it for yourself. It's five tracks. St. Cecilia, Sean, Save Your, Bre- Save Your Breath, Iron Rooster, and The Never Ending Sigh. So you can check that out. It's free for fans. Very cool. As we were saying, you know, they, they go out of their way to, to be good to their fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they do take a long hiatus, we thank them for everything they've done to date. And we can't wait till they come back. Yep. You know. So anyway, that'll do it for the uh, Small Hours Podcast, episode 13. I'm glad you were able to join me. I know you, last week I kind of did it rushed. Yeah. And it was a very short episode. This one's not. <laughs> as okay. we tend to meander through stuff and wander around it's it's good it, it's it's nice to be back it's it's great to knock off some of the rust and and feel that at home again um so thanks hopefully we'll be able to hook up with a special guest uh, sometime this weekend for an upcoming uh episode we'll see what happens with that and i'm also putting together a um collection of christmas wishes what people are hoping for christmas Cool. So maybe we can maybe you can help me with that. You can just record people and ask them what you want for Christmas, and then you can toss them away, and I'll put it together. Awesome. awesome. All right. Uh, anything on uh, to part with? No. Uh, just uh, you know, be good to each other. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. Uh, for those of you not in the United States, have a great Thursday. <laughs> I hope you had a great Thursday and a great weekend as we celebrate Thanksgiving here in the States. You've been listening to Small Hours Podcast, uh, episode number 13. You can always reach us via email, smallhoursemail at gmail.com. 
find the shows at thesmallhours.podbean.com. And of course, check out our new Facebook page, facebook.com slash thesmallhourspodcast. Please drop us a line, let us know what you think, and of course, like our page. This has been the Small Hours Podcast with Al Gavana. I'm Al Gavana. We'll catch you next time.